Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. <clears throat> Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. We'll visit with John Miltimore, editor-at-large for Fee.org. And we'll visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many murder mysteries. We'll visit with Jim as well. It is February the 19th, and on this day in 1942, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066, initiating a controversial World War II policy which lasting consequences for Japanese Americans. The document ordered the forced removal of resident enemy, enemy aliens from parts of the West vaguely identified as military areas. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor by Japanese in 1941, Roosevelt came under increasing pressure by military and political advisors to address the nation's fear of further Japanese attacks or sabotage, particularly in the West Coast, where naval ports, commercial shipping, and agriculture were most vulnerable. Included in the off-limits military areas referred to in the order were ill-defined areas around uh, West Coast cities, ports, and industrial and agricultural regions. And while 9066 also affected Italian and German Americans, the largest numbers of detainees were by far Japanese Americans. On the West Coast, long-standing racism against Japanese Americans, motivated in part by jealousy over their commercial success, erupted after Pearl Harbor and a furious demands to renew them en masse to relocation centers for the duration of the war. Japanese immigrants and their descendants, regardless of American citizenship status, that's regardless of their citizenship status or length of residence, were systematically rounded up and placed in prison camps Evacuees, as they were sometimes called, could only take as many possessions as they could carry and were forcibly placed in crude, cramped quarters. In the western states, camps on on remote and barren sites housed thousands of families whose lives were interrupted and in some cases destroyed by Executive Order 9066. Many lost businesses, farms, and loved ones as a result. Roosevelt delegated enforcement of 9066 to the War Department, telling Secretary of War Harry Stimson to be as reasonable as possible in executing the order. The Attorney General Francis Biddle called for Roosevelt's grim determination to do whatever he thought was necessary to win the war. Biddle observed that Roosevelt was not much concerned with the gravity or implications of issuing an order that essentially contradicted the Bill of Rights. In her memoirs, Eleanor Roosevelt recalled being completely floored by her husband's action, a fierce proponent of civil, uh, of civil rights, Eleanor hoped to change Roosevelt's mind, but when she brought the subject up with him, he interrupted her and told her to never mention it again. Hmm. During the war, the U.S. Supreme Court heard two cases challenging the Constitution of the Order, upholding it both times. Finally, on February the 19th, 1976, decades after the war, Gerald Ford signed an order prohibiting executive branch from reinstituting these notorious and tragic World War II orders. 
1988, President Ronald Reagan issued a public apology on behalf of the government and authorized reparations for former Japanese-American internees or their descendants. Not the proudest day in our history, and even with the Bill of Rights to incarcerate citizens because of uh, their nationality or their uh, uh, descendancy, it's just unbelievable. A very sad day in American history. Well, it is President's Day in the United States, a holiday then the third Monday in uh, February, properly recognized as honoring George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Well, the uh, Congress went ahead and said, let's just celebrate the, all of them. The day is sometimes understood as the celebration of the birthdays and lives of all U.S. presidents. Of note today, Jimmy Carter, 99 years of age, he's in hospice, entering his second year into hospice. Wasn't a big fan of his presidency, but I must admire <clears throat> his strength and uh, continuing uh, efforts to stay alive. President's Day in the United States. Well, stocks slumped over the long weekend Friday, snapping a five-week weekly winning streak when they fell into the wake of wholesale price data that shows inflation is probably not as tamed as the Fed would like it to be. On the other hand, we have earnings seasons coming up this week, so there should be a lot of uh, information to consider about uh, in the financial markets. Well, Judge Arthur Engeron revealed Friday that uh, former President Donald Trump must pay over $350 million in damages. He also barred Trump from serving as an officer or director of any New York corporation or other legal entity in New York for a period of three years, according to the 92-page ruling. His ruling follows an 11-week trial on the lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James, alleging Trump per uh, perpetuated years of financial fraud to gain benefit while building his business. In order to borrow more at, at lower rates, defendants submitted blatantly false financial data to the accountants, resulting in fraudulent financial statements, Ergonon ruled. When confronted at trial with these statements, defendants' facts and expert witnesses simply denied reality, and defendants failed to accept responsibility or to impose internal controls to prevent future occurrences. Engeron already found that in September decision, when it was on hold pending appeal, that Trump deceived banks and insurance companies by inflating their net worth and overestimating the value of his assets. <clears throat> he ruled in September that Trump's business certificate should be revoked and his companies dissolved. Uh, this court hereby modifies its September the 26, 2023 decision and order solely to the extent of removing the language ordering the LLC's cancellation on Moss, Engeron wrote. Engeron also uh, ordered Trump's sons, Eric and Donald, to pay $4 million each. Alan Weisenberg, former chief financial officer of the Trump Organization, was ordered to pay a million dollars. James R. <laughs> Elon Musk raised the issue about where's all this money going to go anyhow. It'll never be collected, of course. James argued in, his, in her closing brief earlier this month that Trump and his company should be required to pay $370 million, more than the $120 million she originally initially sought. Engron rejected in November Trump's motion for a mistrial as utterly without merit. Trump has alleged there was a tangible and overwhelming evidence of Engeron's bias, claiming he was co-judging with his law clerk, Allison Greenfield, who had engaged in public partisan activities. In October, Engeron issued a gag order ordering, uh, bl blocking Trump from speaking publicly about members of his staff after the former president made a true social post about Greenfield. 
He later imposed a $5,000 and $10,000 fines for violations of the order. Trump's real estate empire is the only big business that has ever been threatened with dissolution under the state's anti-fraud law and Associated Press analysis of nearly 150 civil cases across 70 years found. It's unbelievable. This is such a sham, such an unbelievable occurrence. This should probably have been tried under civil or a commercial portion of the court, but unfortunately, Engeron had his own issues with Trump, and definitely along with Letitia Gaines, at least Letitia James ganged up on him. So former President Trump uh, blasted Democrat Attorney General Letitia James in New York and Judge Engeron on the f- uh, on Friday following the ruling. will be appealing, Trump said to the reporters, but more important than that, this is a Russia, this is a China, this is the same game, all comes out of the DOJ, it all comes out of Biden. <clears throat> it's a witch hunt against his political opponent, the likes of which our country has never seen before, and you see it in the third world countries, banana republics, but you don't see it here, he said. Of course, uh, he's now seeing it, and it's so unfortunate. Well, this is a talk about unforeseen consequences. Trump's supporting truckers are saying that they are refusing to drive to New York City after the former president was slapped with a $355 million fine in his fraud case last week. <clears throat> A conservative social media influencer and trucker who goes by the Chicago Ray, Chicago Ray is his uh, handle, posted a video clip in which he claims that some of the colleagues who are going to stop making deliveries to New York City to protest the ruling issued in Manhattan in the Supreme Court. I've been on the radio talking to drivers for about the past hour, and I've seen about 10 of them, and they're going to start refusing loads to New York City starting on Monday, Ray said. In the video, he said he's already spoken to some drivers that will work with him and told him their boss won't uh, go to the Big Apple. I don't know how far or across the country this is going to be or how many truckers are going to be starting denying loads going to New York City. But I'll tell you what, you F around with uh, us and find out, Ray said. Chicago Ray claimed that 95% of truckers support former President Donald Trump in his ex-post which has been viewed by more than 4.6 million times and received more than 50,000 likes since uh, Friday night. So uh, the unintended consequence here might be that New York just does the supply change is disrupted by the truckers and they're just not getting the supplies into New York food and other stuff. <clears throat> President Donald Trump's gold never surrender high top sneakers sold out within hours of their release on Saturday after Trump appeared on SneakerCon earlier on. I've never heard of it, but it, uh, he appeared on earlier Saturday to make an announcement of the shoes. The crowd went wild for the former president. Trump also took time to autograph sneakers of those of the crowd at the event. CEO of jewelry and uh, of jewelry and watch brand Luxury Bazaar. Roman Scharf won the first ever autograph pair for $9,000 at the event. Scharf posted his Instagram story with a picture of the signed shoes and captured it. Had to do it, he said. The uh, Never Surrender high top sold at a price of $399 a pair, and the purchase limit was three pairs per customer. Other Trump shoes offered on the website are the Red Waves, as well as the White uh, President of the United States, 45s. Each pair costs around $200. So Trump has got another successful business and uh, sold out in just a couple of hours. I wonder if he raised the $350 million he's supposedly going to have to pay to the city of New York 
of the state of New York. We'll see. But irrespective, uh, congratulations to President Trump. Well, uh, President Biden was jeered by a large group of protesters Friday during a less than two-hour stop at East Palestine, Ohio, more than a year after the disastrous trail derailment. As concerns mount over the long-term health and environmental effects of the community, dozens of area residents lined the commercial strip to greet Biden, 81, who was with signs that said, Too little, too late. Dementia Joe, you gotta go, and go home, Sleepy Joe. A pool reporter uh, traveling in the motorcade noted that one angry protester was giving him the middle finger, while several more were giving him thumbs down. At least two people carried pro-Biden signs, and the pool reporter said, while others held up signs with pointed demands such as declare an emergency, we need health care, and we need aid. Biden received a brief, uh, a private briefing from officials, delivered a, a six-minute address and mixed with a, a select small group of locals at a candle shop before departing for a weekend to stay at Rehoboth Beach at his vacation home. The man is shameless, in my opinion. Can you believe that six-minute little talk and staying at a coffee shop and visiting with a few supporters? It's amazing. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. 
Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So let's start off by talking. Well, you know what? Today is President's Day. I wonder if you have any reflections. Uh, on- absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, hadn't, I hadn't been thinking about that, but absolutely. So, um, look, we're honoring two of the greatest presidents in American history by combining them, uh, George Washington and, uh, of course, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, very different presidents, very different types of people. George Washington being the first president, became president primarily because he was the general of the Continental Army during the War of Independence. Uh, He began the tradition of two-term presidents, the fact that he wouldn't run for a third term. And he began the tradition of a a president who um, was slightly above, above it all to a certain extent. I mean, during Washington's term, um, there was no partisan politics. There was no. He wasn't a member of a party. Um, as soon as he faded from the scene, of course, uh, party politics began. Right. Uh, but until then, there was no parties, which was a good thing. Um, so, and um, during his presidency, some of the basis of American uh, American democracy was cemented. The Bill of Rights was passed uh, soon after he became president, and a um, number of important events took place that created. Uh, the United States as we know it. President Lincoln um, will be known for two things, obviously. He kept the Union together, and he also freed the slaves. Yeah. Um, the Civil War was about slavery. Um, it was about, uh, you know, it was about the right, you know, it was right about people who talk about the fact that it was about um, state rights. Yeah, they're right. They're correct. It was about the state's right to hold slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what it was all about more than anything else. And well, Lincoln, and it was all about him. Well, his purpose was to keep the Union together. That was initially, but after, I think it was 63, he probably uh, And the Emancipation Proclamation was in 63. Yeah. He didn't think it was the right time to do it early. He was an anti-slaver uh, previously. It wasn't that he was pro-slavery. Yeah. But he was elected on the uh, ticket not to allow additional states to enter the Union who would be slave states. Right. In other words, he didn't run to eliminate slavery. He wanted to eliminate it eventually, because if you eliminated a number of states, if the new states that came into the Union were not slave states, eventually uh, the balance would change. And that was his view, and that's, of course, what the South was afraid of. Yeah. Um, so they weren't interested in the gradual disappearance of slavery. Uh, it was very, very profitable at the time, thanks to the cotton gin. Um, keep in mind the fact that, let's go back a little bit in history if we have a moment, the fact of the matter is that the uh, founders did not outlaw slavery. It's one of the big big questions about, about them. But their view at the time was that slavery would disappear because the economics of slavery, until the cotton gin 
was introduced were not all that good. Right. They really didn't pay to hold slaves. Uh, once the cotton gin was introduced, it suddenly became very, very profitable to have slaves. And, of course, when something becomes profitable, you know what happens after that. Yeah. Um, so that changed the dynamics. But Lincoln was able to hold the Union together. He was able to galvanize Union soldiers to fight. And he led the North to victory. Uh, amazing president. I, I, my favorite quote of Lincoln's is he was accused of being two-faced in a, in a debate. <laughs> he said, if I had two faces, do you think I'd wear this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyhow, uh, it is President's Day, and uh, unfortunately we've moved now to call to celebrate all the presidents, but um, because not all of them deserve celebration, but it, indeed, uh, Washington and Lincoln were two of the greatest, so for no question. Right, without a doubt. No, 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 one, no one questions their greatness. Other presidents we can argue about, but we don't, no one argues about them. So let's talk about current news around the world. Let's start off with the uh, sudden death of Navalny. Right. Due to sudden death syndrome, which, as far as I'm concerned, it's usually I've only heard of infants That's right. uh, dying of sudden death in, in syndrome, so let's put it that way. Um, look, the man... <laughs> was brave beyond words. The fact that he went back into Russia when he was out after he had been poisoned by the Russians, mm-hmm. had been saved by the West uh, Germans, you know, West Germans, I guess, Germans, excuse me, um, from almost sudden death, a certain death from the poisoning. And then he decided to go back into, into Russia to fight for freedom in Russia. And of course, he was immediately arrested and trumped up charges. And he's been, in one form or another, in prison since he's come back. Um, I think people were a little bit surprised that Putin had the, the guts to, to actually uh, kill him. But at this point, Putin doesn't seem to care. Uh, maybe it was because despite being in the middle of uh, Siberia, he was still getting his messages out. Yeah. And people were still talking about him. And he's the only credible opponent to Putin in, in Russia at this point. Um, and, of course, his main point was to show how incredibly, incredibly corrupt Putin was. Forget his policies. He's just the corruption is, is beyond belief. And so that was his main main point of showing how corrupt Putin was. Um, his wife today announced the fact that she's going to take the mantle and continue fighting for uh, Russian democracy. Wow. And um, she's a pretty good spokesperson as well. She's not... Uh, um, you know, she may not may or may not be him, but she's a well-spoken woman who, who, I think, will represent the democracy movement well. Um, once again, look, I believe very strongly that Putin is our century's Hitler. Um, just doesn't hate the Jews, but everything else is pretty much the same. And um, anyone who doesn't oppose him, I do not even begin to understand at this point. Uh, so that's where we stand. Um, he's a he's a dictator. He kills all of his opponents. I mean, there's a whole long list of people who have been killed in the last two years. Anyone who had any uh, any opposition to to Putin either found himself poisoned or magically jumping out of windows from all sorts of you know buildings. Yeah. Uh, so absolute dictator, absolutely terrible for the for the world. Um, and um, you know, I hope something happens to him at some point. Let's put it that way. The world will be a lot better off if something happens to Putin. Hmm. Interesting. So. Well, thanks for your commentary on that. Let's let's move to uh, Ukraine. Okay, so Ukraine had a setback when they lost the city of Arvodek. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. it. The Russians have put everything they have towards 
towards conquering that city. Um, the Ukrainians have been low on munitions, um, which is a problem. It's partly a problem because of the lack of American aid in the last um, 60 days, but it's really a problem more, even more than that. It's a problem that uh, the West is not producing enough uh, enough shells, enough ammunition, which is a real problem. I mean, everyone's gearing up, and Europe is gearing up, and the United States is gearing up with new factories for producing armaments. The world, the West certainly, didn't think it was going to ever fight a large-scale conventional war again. Mm-hmm. And this is what this has turned out to be. And so the world was not ready in terms of the type of ammunition you need and the quantities, the absolute quantities in a long-term war. Uh, so um, that's part of the situation. The Ukrainians keep on having um, victories on the other side of things. They sunk another uh, Russian ship in the Black Sea. At this point, the Russians can't move on the Black Sea at all. They seem to be sunk right away by the Rus- by the Ukrainians with drone ships. Um, with, they have no man naval vessels the ukrainians except the sure some inshore things but uh, it's all drones mm-hmm. that seems to be very effective in sinking russian ships something we should all keep in mind on the other direction our navy needs to be aware of this as a possibility because again our adversaries might have the same thing so it's something to be keep well, we aware defi- of they definitely will and uh, unfortunately drones have uh, you know we've got them but unfortunately they've got them too so uh, we it, it, right so we need to find better you know Ways to defend against them. We have some ways, obviously. I know in we get into the Houthis, we have been destroying Houthi drone ships. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but you know, it's a, it's a different story. These drone ships can be very, very small. Yeah. Because you know, it's the same as drone drone planes. Because when you take out all that's required to keep a pilot or a sailor alive, you get them end up with a much smaller vessel. Absolutely. So. Mark, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show. Are you seeking new customers or contacts for your business? Why not promote your business to our loyal listeners? Join Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, the Collier Senior Center, Lulabee's Diner, and many others who've been advertising on the show, in many cases, for years. The rates are reasonable, and there's no required long-term commitments or contracts. Let me help you promote your business to our loyal listeners here on The Bob Harden Show. Visit the website, bobharden.com, or send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. That's bobharden at hotmail.com. 
welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Collier County, Supervisor of Elections. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, John Miltimore. He is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCenter.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Mark, by the way, is in Tel Aviv right now and has been for the last several months, so kind of in the eye of the storm, uh, hoping we could get an update on what's happening in Israel and the uh, Middle East. Absolutely, Bob. So today is the 136th day of the war, which is a number that Israelis find hard to contemplate. Israel's used to short wars, and this is now the longest war since the War of Independence. Um, Israel has gained control of about 85% of the Gaza Strip at this point. There's only one area called Rafah, which is a city on the on the corner of Egypt and, and the Mediterranean, uh, who, um, who they haven't gone into, and that's a place where a lot of the refugees have all gone, which is, which is the challenge. Hamas is still holding um, the hostages, 134 after Israel managed to rescue two last week, um, but um, and negotiations have basically fallen apart relating to that. Mm-hmm. Not quite clear why. Um, part of the reason may be that um, there seems to be no communications with uh, the person who heads Hamas military wing in Gaza, Sinwar, um, and at this point, the uh, terms that they're willing to agree to any sort of deal with the hostages is basically a complete Israeli withdrawal from Gaza, mm-hmm. end of the war, rebuild Gaza, all those sort of things. So basically that everything should be reset as if October 7th never occurred. So right now there seems to be a complete um, halt in terms of those negotiations, which is very problematic in the sense that we already know that at least 35 of the hostages have, have been die- died or killed. Mm-hmm. And the, quest, the fear is how many more will be alive when comes to an end. Um, so that's fear. Certainly the families of the hostages are overwhelmingly fearful of that. and It's not quite clear what can be done because, like I said, um, Hamas's demands are the such that Israel uh, can't give in to that. It can give in to a lot of things, but it can't give in to that to guarantee Hamas stays in power, which is what they want. And, of course, Israel is facing a lot of international noise with regard to going in this direction. In fact, uh if I'm not mistaken, Israel, or, uh, Egypt is beginning to build a wall uh, up against that area right now to protect themselves from having uh, uh, immigration from illegals. Right, coming. what they're doing is they're building a secondary wall. There is a wall there. So the border has a wall. What they're trying to do is create a zone where the refugees can go and not go into Egypt generally. Mm. You have to keep in mind the fact that the Gaza Strip was once part of Egypt. After 1948, the Gaza was part of Egypt, but the Egyptians never really made it part of Egypt. It was considered extraterritorial. They did not give citizenship to the people in Gaza. Mm. And then when the peace agreement occurred between Israel and Egypt, Israel was willing to give the um, Egyptians back the Gaza Strip, and Sadat didn't want it back. So 
there's not a lot of love lost. And keep in mind the fact that Hamas is basically aligned with the Muslim Brotherhood. The Egyptian government and military has been fighting the Muslim Brotherhood now for many years, to say the least. So they're not interested in that. Hmm. Um, so it's not clear where, where this goes at this point. Uh, the United States has warned Israel not to invade Rafa until they have a solution for the people there, which is a challenge. Where do all these refugees go? So um, right now, that's where it stands. Um, almost a stalemate, not quite a stalemate. But in the meantime, there continues to be warfare up north. Hezbollah continues to fire uh, weapon, fire rockets and missiles in terms of northern Israel. About 100,000 people are still evacuated from their homes. Mm. Israel responds with uh, air raids, but it's pretty much tit-for-tat, and it remains only along the border. Uh, there seem to be reports at this point that Iran is asking Hezbollah to pull back. It seems the Iranians have, um, after the U.S. response against all the various Iranian militias, the Iranians seem to have, and I put this seems to have, um, told their militias uh, to pull back. Iran is not interested in the war with the United States at this point. Mm -hmm. And so they pulled back when once they saw the American attacks on their, their proxies. Um, you know, long term, I don't know where that's gonna where that's all gonna leave us. But short term, it's there's a possibility of some sort of deal with Hezbollah on the northern border. Fifty fifty would be my would be what I would say is the likelihood of that happening. Mark, it's, it so. seems to me that the, this has not dampened the resolve of Israel to continue its uh, uh, to wipe out the uh, effect of Hamas in Gaza. No, look, there's no, no question. Look, you know, as far as Israel is concerned. Um, Hamas is equal to Nazis, and what do we do with Nazi Germany? We eliminated Nazism, not not Germany. Mm -hmm. um, so it's an, it's a difficult challenge. It's not the same. It's not the exact simple simple one on one. The average German had nothing against the United States. The average Palestinian Gaza certainly has uh, anger at Israel, and some of it justified over historically, from what they know. And, you know, it may not have been Israel's fault of all the period, but people have certain animosity, let's put it that way, more so than the average German had against Americans. So it's a, a bigger challenge in that sense. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Hamas has been the group that has stopped the peace process. Keep that in mind that right, right after, camp, right after uh, the Oslo Accords, they were the ones who started bombing buses in order to stop the Oslo Accords from taking effect. After the Rabin assassination, they were the ones who were involved in various suicide bombings, and those bombings basically allowed Netanyahu to defeat Shimon Peres yeah. to be the successor to Rabin. And so they have a long history of fighting any sort of peace agreement because they don't believe in peace. They want one state and only one state, and that being an Arab-Palestine. So anything that, that, that uh, reeks of a two-state solution, they have opposed. Uh, but um, so getting rid of Hamas ultimately is a really good thing. Can you really do it? I don't know. That's really the problem. Before I let you, you go, Mark, uh, before I let you go, I was hoping I'd get some comments on what's going on in Mexico. Absolutely. So in Mexico, you've had large-scale demonstrations. Why? Because the uh, government wants to in begin direct elections of Supreme Court members. Uh, and the fear is, that if you start having direct elections, you're not gonna ha you're gonna ha end up with uh, people elected from the same party as the government, and you'll have one party rule. 
Mm-hmm. And Mexico has, over the period of the last 40 years, developed uh, checks and balances that actually exist in the Mexican governmental system. Basically, the government, by wanting to have direct elections for judges, will eliminate the checks and balances. Mm. Uh, because the most popular party at the moment, the parties in the government, will win all the seats in the, you know, in the Supreme Court, and then they'll become a rubber stamp as opposed to an independent source of power. Hmm. Interesting. So, that's, uh, that's why there are hundreds of thousands of people in the streets, basically uh, demonstrating for democracy. Believe it or not. Yeah. So, and in a complicated way too. Absolutely. You know, Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check out the website. Great for kids of all ages, including you and I, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, John Miltimore. John is a uh, editor-at-large with Fee.org. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get some tickets to some great upcoming performances. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us John Miltimore. John is the editor-at-large 
for fee.org. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, good morning, Bob. Great to be with you. Thank you, John. Tell us about fee.org. Yeah, fee was founded in 1946. Uh, our mission is to inspire the next generation and educate them and uh, on the economic, ethical, and legal principles for uh, a free society. V.org, again, is the website, and I encourage you, if you have anybody high school or college age in your life, introduce them to this terrific organization, F-E-E.org. John, you wrote a great piece, uh, New Jersey's plastic bag ban backfires horribly. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, this goes back to a, a 2022 ban that New Jersey initiated on uh, reusable plastic and paper bags. We've seen other states pass, you know, bans similar to this. Um, these are single-use plastic bags, but New Jersey went a step further. They said, no, we're not going to let you use paper bags either. And uh, a couple years on, we, we got a new study from Fredonia Market Research, and it showed, you know, use of plastic bags did drop. It dropped quite a bit by about 60%, but overall plastic consumption increased by about 300%. Wow. Um, it's, it, it really is a, a huge backfire here. Um, and there was actually, the study just came out, you know, just a few weeks ago, but there were indications that this was not working. Um, the New York Times, of all places, um, did a story, oh, about a year and a half ago, maybe a little longer, and they, they had a, a lot of evidence that people were um, getting tons and tons of these heavy-duty heavy plastic bags, and this is not what's supposed to happen. What was happening, delivery services were using these. People have to get their groceries and something, so they're using these, these heavier-duty uh, plastic bags, and people would end up with a hundred of them in their garage, and they didn't want to throw them out. They said, you know, I'd like to use them, but I keep getting more and more of them. What am I supposed to do with these? Um, and the problem is these reusable bags, you have to you have to use them 10 to 15 times before um, they're more economically friendly than, than these, like, like a single-use bag. And to go back to the Fredonia research, people don't use them that way. They use them probably on average two, three times, and then they discard them. Um, and there's actually reasons they do that. Like some people, you know, you start to use a bag over and over and over. It gets icky. It gets torn. It gets, you know, um, it, bacteria develops in these. There's a lot of, you know, research on that. So people use them a few times, and then they throw them away. And it actually does more economic harm when you use the bags like this. I think it just makes a great point because, uh, again, uh, they just, uh, again, with central planning, we just forgot to check in with the consumer. <laughs> and unfortunately, the, the, the legislation is a complete disaster. It really is. And it's a disaster pretty much on all fronts. Um, you know, for, for the people that support the environment, um, didn't help them, didn't help customers pay for these bags, right? These aren't single, the, the single-use bags, um, the store just, you know, they, they give you those and they leave. Here, customers are paying, you know, for these bags. Um, who, the, the one group that did benefit, um, the, the companies that manufacture these bags sure. did quite well. And, and grocery stores actually turned out that they, they turned, you know, a, a nice profit too because they're selling bags now. 
Um, but if you're looking for environmental savings, um, economic savings, um, that didn't happen. And it, it is really, you know, it, it's one of the things I talk about in the article. We really need to be honest and judge policies by their results, not but we what we intended the policy to achieve. And it's interesting. I got a lot of people that they, they simply can't do, they, 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 they struggle to do that. Because I got, I got several emails from people saying, this isn't true. Your, your, your story is not, re- you know, and I said, well, okay, what's wrong? And, and, you know, some people would say, well, the study was flawed. I'm like, okay, well, well show me how the study was flawed. And, yeah. Well, they, they, they couldn't. Yeah. Um, they, they said, oh, the methodology. I'm like, well, what's, what's wrong with the methodology? And they couldn't answer. Yeah. Other people just attacked the market research group and said it was paid for by oil companies and <laughs> and things like this. I said, well, what research do you have? Like, let's take a look at this. And they didn't have any. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think people do struggle mightily just to be honest, and they want to judge the policy by its intentions, not its results. It's true, and, and you know, because you got. Uh, I think we all have a bias going into any discussion around the things sure. that we support, and the consequence is that look, it's got to be environmentally friendly. It just has to be. You that, that information that you have. I don't care how many double blind experiments you have. It's got to be wrong. <laughs> Exactly, because it creates a cognitive dissonance in our own head, right? Like, like when we, um, the idea that, well, we could have been wrong here, like, like, like our policies might be hurting the environment. Um, so, so people, they, they rationalize and come up with their reasons why that's not true. Um, but if we, if we really want to create a better world, we need to not approach these matters in that fashion. Well, uh, as we mentioned off air, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and this is just another example. It really is. No, it's it, there's a lot we can learn. Economics can get us part of the way there. But again, just need to be honest when we look at these things, um, when we analyze these things. The truth was, I think a lot of people had suspicions, you know, several years ago. Well, you know, th- this isn't. This probably won't work. And I think I think that is the real economic lesson here. Um, that that we don't have the knowledge to think, okay, or if we do A, B is going to happen. Um, because systems are complex, and, and we do one thing, and, and, and you have all these other secondary consequences that, that happened. And people want to say, well, I was trying to do this. I didn't want all those things to happen. And yeah. That is the economic lesson yeah. that, that it teaches us that you have to be humble you know, before when you're trying to do these things. I think central planning always you, you have people that think they can do this, that there's a certain hubris to think that they can just manage and control society, that, um, that it, it's not that complex. We can make these things happen. And, um, you can find, you know, F.A. Hayek, you know, wrote an entire book on this called The Fatal Conceit. And there's this, this desire people have to control society and think they can manage it in a way that is, you know, effective. But, but you know, almost always we find ourselves doing um, great harm in ways that we didn't anticipate. Absolutely. The markets can figure this out. We don't need the government to impose its uh, central planning issues and, and thoughts around us. The latest example of this that's so funny to me is uh, the congresswoman who wants to make sure that everybody makes $100,000. <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face. A hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, you know, money is—it's a precious resource. Capital's a precious resource. You have unlimited desire, unlimited market desire, and a limited amount of capital in order to spread around the world. You got to spread it wisely. Yeah, no, it's funny. I saw the same story, and she said, "Well, I, I," when she's talking about her credentials, she said, "Well, I ran a business for ten years." And I wish I would have been on, you know, one of the people questioning her. Um, and I think this was during a debate, if I recall, so it wasn't like testimony. Um, but I said, well, were, were you paying your employees $50 an hour? 
<laughs> I know. John Miltimore, again, uh, editor-at-large for fee.org. I hope you check out the website, fee.org. John, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. I'm Bob. We'll talk to you next week. Look forward to it, John. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many murder mysteries, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their elected offices. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have this Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's retired. He's living up in Pennsylvania now, and he's writing murder mysteries, and they are terrific. His first is Father the Leader. Its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and his latest, it's called No Problem. Jim McTagg, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Jim. I I read the newspapers, and then I realize how little I really know about the world, how little any of us know about who is really running the world. Yeah. So let me tell you why. Today, the the big headline is that the Biden administration is giving $1.5 billion in grants to a... uh, company in new york state called global foundries hmm. and and the headlines and the official propaganda is that this will revitalize the domestic 
emphasis on domestic semiconductor industry. Now, I'm not a smart guy, so I didn't really recognize global boundaries because when I invest, I'm an ETF investor. So I'm thinking, well, how can a company named Global Boundaries, Global, be a domestic company? So I start using artificial intelligence. I use a perplexity. You know, what what about Global Boundaries? I visit their site, and they have locations across the globe, including China. Uh, And I start wondering who is behind Global Boundaries and I find out that one of the founding investors was a, a company, a group called uh, Mubadala Investors, M-U-B-D-A-L-A Investments from the United Arab Emirates. Hmm. So a question mark goes up, who the heck are they? And the uh, a name comes up. This sounds like a Russian novel, and I hope I'm not losing your listeners. But oh, no, Ahmed you're Saeed, not. Okay, Ahmed Saeed Al-Khalili is the chief investment officer, and so I'm wondering, who the heck is he? Well, there's scant information on the web. He has he has a bachelor's degree in, in economics and political science from Boston University, and yet he's the chief strategy and risk officer for Mubadala. I'm thinking, wow, you know, who's his daddy? Yeah. So that, so then, I wonder who are the directors at Mubadala? Because, as your your listeners know, you know, the directors of a corporation are very important in its governance. And I, a name pops up from the United Arab Emirates, named Sheikh Mansour bin Zayed Al Nahan. He lives in Great Britain. He owns Manchester City Football Club. Hmm. He's been very controversial <laughs> because Ukrainian activists had asked the UK to investigate his alleged help of Russian oligarchs who were put on the sanctions list. Isn't that amazing? So now remember, this all started with a $1.8 billion investment in, to keep uh, the uh, semiconductor business uh, in the United States, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so when I originally read the news story, cynical me thinks, well, this is, um, you know, in an election year politicking, you know, using federal dollars to reward New York State because it's prosecuting Trump, number one. And number two, because Biden feels guilty about all the illegal immigrants uh, being dumped in in, uh, New York City. You know, that's my first cynical, uh, fast conclusion. And and then when I start pulling on the threads, I see this international network that is gaining from this uh, grant, and it's in the Middle East where we have the the war in Gaza, and I'm thinking, you know, I just don't really get who is running the world. Because, and, and, and the other thing I think is, you know, we need somebody like Trump in the White House, but not Trump. Trump's not the guy, but, but somebody 
who will not uh, just accept this international order uh, run by big money, the Arab big money, the U.S. big money. You know, we need somebody who is powerful enough to oppose that. You know, by, the Bidens have demonstrated through Hunter and, and the president that they want to uh, worm themselves into the system and profit from it. We don't need politicians like that. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we need people who will who who will just wreck this existing corrupt uh, order, this order we don't understand. That, that probably, uh, when you look at the grant now, is it merely to boost domestic production, or is it to actually um, pay off allies in the Middle East mm-hmm. who are helping us? Uh, you know, with uh, our, our whatever our political uh, goal is in the Middle East, which I, I just don't understand that either. But, well, you know, uh, and, I, and I, I totally uh, support the whole notion that we need somebody strong enough to stand up to the situation because the deep state is far deeper than we ever thought. I must say that, of course, as you understand, uh, Donald Trump is the guy that I think can do it, uh, and I believe he will do it. Uh, on the other hand, if you if you haven't seen Tucker Carlson's most recent interview, uh, it's it is an amazing. I've forgotten the guy's name that he interviewed, but it is an amazing interview, and it just came out last week. It's got over a hundred million views so far, and it is uh, you can you go to tuckercarlson.com or go to uh, uh, of course to X to uh, to take a look at his uh, episodes. But it is you know who's running the world. <clears throat> Well, you know what? He makes a case in that episode for the fact that it is now a global police state. And uh, it is a shocking, shocking presentation. Well, and, and the other thing is, when you read the newspaper, um, you really have to footnote everything. You have to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Because reporters on deadline don't have the luxury to pursue all these uh, leads. And artif- I use perplexity. It's imperfect artificial intelligence. But it really helped me pull the thread on the sweater and see, wow, there's this whole web of right. money and influence behind this this domestic deal. That the term domestic is a, a misnomer. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing this issue to our attention, Jim. Just another example of how, uh, quite frankly, we get the the press shows us shiny objects to look at, but it's never really about the news, is it? It's about it never uh, is. <laughs> Jim McTague again, and I just encourage you to take a look at his books. His latest is No Problem. It's a great murder mystery located in Washington, D.C., and it's a really great read. No Problem by Jim McTague. Jim, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including our Florida State Senate President, Kathleen Pasadomo, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and more uh, on tomorrow's show. Uh, if you enjoy the show, and I really appreciate your listening, if you enjoy the show, I hope you pass the word on to your friends and acquaintances. That's one of the ways we support our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. 